Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. So this is one of our five core commitments. Write it down this morning. Communicate the good news to everyone, everywhere. You see, Jesus and all that he does should be the talk of our towns. And the only person that can do that is you and me. As we read, Satan blinds the spiritual eyes of unbelievers so they can't see it. But God can open those blind eyes. And the reason he opens it is because we have spoken about it. When we read stories like the story of Bartimaeus, whom Jesus healed of blindness, we tend to think that kind of thing couldn't happen here now. The problem with that thinking is that it contradicts what Jesus said would happen through his disciples, which includes us. Pastor Mark will be teaching from this story, talking about the simple faith of Bartimaeus. He had one desire and he made it known, trusting Jesus to do it. This is a good example for us. Don't get elaborate. Ask Jesus for what we need. And most importantly, trust Jesus to come through for us. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Luke chapter 18, part one of his message. What do you want God to do for you? can turn to the book of Luke, Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament, chapter 18. Luke 18, and we'll begin in a moment in verse 35. Now today, it's an interesting question that Jesus asks. It's actually the title of today's teaching. What do you want me to do for you? And we're going to kind of unpack that as we move through. Now, if you're married, you've heard this from your wife. You heard it from a husband. What do you want me to do for you? Well, a husband asked his new bride about three or four months that very question. And she said, I would love a new riding lawnmower. She said, this manual thing is killing me when I get home from work. I'm so tired. I just can't get the lawn mowed. So her loving husband, as all husbands are, was, was that women or men laughing? Okay. Um, so her loving husband decided to surprise her with a new riding lawnmower. The next night, he had it out back, and he was so excited because he knew when she came in the front door, she wouldn't know anything about it. He says, I don't take you around the back. And he took her around the back and showed her the riding lawnmower that he bought for her. Look at this. You want to pray for that marriage? She still is not talking to him. No. He actually said, well, how come you're so hard to please? That's not good either. Well, today we discover 
the answer to that question from one amazing, hurting man. Verse 35. As Jesus approached Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. Now, Jericho marked the last stage of Jesus' journey to Jerusalem and the cross. He was 18 miles away. This would be the end of his three years of ministry, and he would never be back to Jericho again. Now, Jericho was a famous Old Testament city. Kind of in Jesus' day, it was a kind of a resort place. Herod and other people built castles there and whatever. Just the weather was fantastic. It was actually a bedroom community for some people because they would work on the outskirts of Jerusalem. Well, sitting beside the road was a blind man. His name was Bartimaeus. And his only hope of survival was to do one thing, beg because he is blind. And so people would take him outside the road. The road was very busy because it went to Jerusalem. And he would just be there morning to night. Somebody would take him, somebody would bring him home. And every single day of his life, that was the same. That's just what he did. Now, blindness was very common in ancient times, quite often because of accidents, but more so because of infections that would get in people's eyes. And there was no treatment in those days at all medically for them. Now, Let me talk to you a little bit about blindness. And I'd like you to write this note down. There's actually two types of blindness. Physical, as we'll see this morning, and spiritual blindness. Now, realistically, if a person's going to be healthy, they need to be able to see in both of those areas. Physical blindness, be healed, and spiritual blindness, be healed. Paul wrote it like this. Look what he says. If the good news, the gospel, we preach is hidden behind a veil, it is hidden only from people who are perishing. Satan, who's the God of this world, look at this, has blinded the what? Where, where's the spiritual battle? It's in our minds. Satan has blinded the minds of those, that's spiritual blindness, who don't believe. They are unable to see the glorious light of the good news. They don't understand this message about the glory of Christ, who is the exact likeness of God. Now think about that. What that means is we were all born with sin, and Satan's goal is to keep people blinded to the gospel. Well, I don't need to accept Jesus Christ. I'm a good person. Why would I need to come to church? There's no need for that. Notice he just blinds the minds of people. And you're going to see as we walk through this, that this blind man is going to be healed physically, but he's also going to be healed spiritually. And all around us, there's actually millions of blind people in our world physically, but there's billions of blind people spiritually in our world. Let me just talk to you. This isn't political at all. What we saw last night, as we continue to see Britain being attacked, ISIS and the radical element of that, many people are confused. And I just want to remind you, because sometimes we get confused. There isn't one government that I know of in the world that believes this is nothing other than a political 
war. I want to remind you this morning, what we're seeing from ISIS is not political at all. It's spiritual warfare. It's blindness to the truth. Remember what spiritual warfare causes us. Who brings spiritual warfare and blindness? Satan. What was his goal in John 10.10? Just let me say it to you. Steal. Come on. Kill and destroy. Hello, London. It is not political. There is not a political solution to this. It's a spiritual solution. And his name is Jesus Christ. Now, you won't see that on a news report. CNN's going to go, wow, this is a spiritual battle. No, that's run by Satan itself. And you have to understand, we're not out politically talking about this. But this is what we're battling. And this is all part of the plan. It's headed toward the end. So when you see spiritual warfare, the world is blinded to it. What are you talking about? They're clueless. Now, as you watch this in the scripture, it's very interesting. Helen Keller made this statement. Better to be blind and see with your heart than to have two good eyes and see nothing at all. Wow. Amazing. Now, all of us have had eye-opening experiences. You're going to have an eye-opening experience this morning. As Jesus is walking down from Jericho to Jerusalem, his disciples are there. They're going to have an eye-opening experience. They're learning how to deal with people. They've been doing that for three years. Uh, All of us have had eye-opening experience. Usually you'll have an eye-opening experience maybe like when you visit a country. If you've I've been to the Grand Canyon. The first time you look into that, you go, oh my goodness. Well, Linda and I were in Vietnam a few years ago, and uh, we had an eye-opening experience. This is one of the better poles. And so we walk on the other side of the street. I don't know what that guy's trying to find. He's probably been up there a week trying to find which connects to what. It's crazy, isn't it? And so... You're going to have an eye-opening experience this morning, as well as myself, as we walk through this. Now, verse 36. Here's the blind man. And when he heard the crowd going by, he asked what was happening. And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And he called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, think about this. Here's the blind man. He can't see. You know, usually when one thing is weak, hearing gets better. So here's this crowd going by, and he shouts out to somebody, who's, what's the crowd all about? They say, Jesus of Nazareth. And immediately, he cries out for help. Now, how would he know who Jesus was? I mean, there's no newspaper. He can't read anyway. It reminds us that somebody in town had to have talked about Jesus to him. Had to said to him, look, if Jesus ever walks this way and you're out there in the street, you want to call for him. Because we hear that all over Israel, he's doing miracles. See, Jesus was the talk of not only the town, he was the talk of all of Israel. It was out there. So when this blind man hears that walking down close to him is Jesus, 
he is going like, wow. Now, I actually believe another thing could have happened to him. When Jesus started his ministry three years before, remember, he was about 30. He was in his hometown, Nazareth. And one day he went into the synagogue, and I'll read it to you in a moment, and made an amazing statement. And I believe that that spread all over Israel. And you'll see later that this man probably heard this because of a statement I'll make to you later. Look what Jesus did when he went into the synagogue. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, his hometown. And on the Sabbath day, he went to the synagogue. Notice, as was his custom. Going to church, you're all here, good job. It was his custom. It was the weekend, he went to the weekend service, whether it was a six or 8.30 or 10.45. They just had one, the Sabbath one, boom, on Saturday. And, and he stood up to read. Now, why would that be? Well, sometimes the rabbis would have a guest speaker come and Jesus was one. And he stood up to read and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. I go, there's no Bible, it's a scroll. Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written. Now watch this. He had the scroll of Isaiah. This is not by accident. And here's what it says. The spirit of the Lord is on me. Remember when he was baptized by John in water, The Holy Spirit came on and he was filled with the Spirit of God. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to preach. To preach what? The good news. Now, let's just stop there for a moment. Why does Satan blind people spiritually? To keep them, remember what I read? From understanding the what? The good news. So look who comes. Look at the first thing. I'm going to open their blind eyes. That good people don't go to heaven. Only forgiven people go to heaven. Isn't that amazing to you? That's the spiritual warfare. Satan and Jesus and God. By the way, you know who always wins? God. You're on the victor side today. Well, Pastor Mark doesn't look like, no, war's normal. It's going to be there till the end. Then there's one coming on a white horse, king of kings and lord of lords to this world. Hold on. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. And proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Read it with me. And sight for the blind. Well, hello, Bartimaeus. That's the one he's going to grab onto. To release the oppressed. And look what he says at the end before he sits down. He began by saying to them, today... This scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. What was he saying? What Jesus is saying in this little synagogue in Nazareth is simply this. By the way, this shocked the people, especially the Jewish listeners, the rabbis. He said, I'm the fulfillment of this Old Testament prophecy. I'm God, I'm the Messiah. And I've been sent to meet whatever your need is. Spiritual, physical, emotional, relational. Now, remember, Satan came to bring all this disaster to us. Jesus said, I've come to meet those needs. Now, I'm ready for an amen in just a moment. This Jesus, who promised to meet all of our needs, no matter spiritual, physical, emotional, relational, whatever it is, needing a job, whatever it is. 
that Jesus is still active this morning, right now, and right here. This is not a religious service. This is a place where we encounter the true living God. And some of you go like, really? Yeah, he's walking up and down. Where two or three are gathered together, there he is in the midst. He's here. And he's here to minister to our need. That's why the question you're going to see, wherever the Christians are meeting around the world, he's here and he's here for us. Here's the issue. This is Jericho. Jesus, his name was known. His ministry was known. Now, let me ask you a hard question. How many people know the name Jesus? How many do you think? What percent? 50%, 70%, 80% probably. They've heard the name Jesus in America. Amen? Much parts of the world never even heard the name Jesus. Damn. Let me ask you another question. What percent now know what he can do? Probably about 5%. They have no idea what Jesus can do. Now, I'm not talking about Christians. I'm talking about unbelievers. Oh, I know this. I know that. I know who he is. Yeah, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. That's cool. What can he do for you? Well, he's not a personal God. I mean, what do you mean, what can he do for me? Now, here's the issue. Why did that town know it? Because Jesus was the talk of the town. So what do we do about that? I want you to see this. What do we do about that specifically? Here it is. There has to be a place that you and I are involved in this. See, we're to make God known where we live. So this is one of our five core commitments. Write it down this morning. Communicate the good news to everyone, everywhere. You see, Jesus and all that he does should be the talk of our towns. And the only person that can do that is you and me. As we read, Satan blinds the spiritual eyes of unbelievers so they can't see it. But God can open those blind eyes. And the reason he opens it is because we have spoken about it. Now, remember, our mandate is to put people in touch with God by talking about the goodness of God. Don't forget that. I'll come back to it. Now, verse 38. Look at it again. He called out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Bartimaeus called Jesus the son of David. What was that? It was a title for the Messiah. So see, he had heard not only about Jesus, but he probably heard what was said in Nazareth. He was the long-awaited Messiah. Now, what's very interesting is this. Here's a blind man. (laughs) He can't see. And standing around him all over Jericho are the Jewish religious leaders who have 20-20 vision. But they're totally blinded. They don't believe Jesus is the Messiah. A blind man believes he's the Messiah. Hello. Outside these walls, same, same. Many religions, obviously Muslims and many other cults don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I want to tell you this morning, he is our Messiah. Now, there's no name under heaven whereby a man can be saved except the name Jesus Christ. Now, this this blind man knew it. And when you see that, when he makes this announcement, Jesus, look at verse 39. 
And those who were led, who led the way, in other words, lots of people were obviously with Jesus going to Jerusalem. They rebuked him and they told him to be quiet, but he shouted all the more, Hey, son of David, have mercy on me. We see something. He has persistence. He knew that Jesus could do something. He doesn't know, but we know this is the last time Jesus will be in Jericho. He'll never be there again, ever. He doesn't know that. He's just persistence. Now, why were the people shouting? Shut up. You're a blind man. What do we care about you? That's not going to do you any good. Just leave Jesus alone. He's got better things to do. Not at all. See, he knew that Jesus cared for people. Now look at verse 40. I wanted to look at the first two words. And Jesus said with me. He stopped. He stopped. He didn't keep walking. He stopped. Now, when you see that, who's he going to stop for? How many people is he going to stop for? Just hold your finger up. How many? Just one. That should remind you of something. We'll talk about it later. So he's going to stop no matter what the other crowd says. Come on, just keep going. Jesus didn't have enough time to stop. He's going to stop for this one man. Here's my question to you this morning. And I want you to answer it as a Christ follower. Look at on the overhead. Do we stop and engage when God opens a door of ministry? Now remember, Jesus is in Jericho. And he's going that way because God directed him to go that way. He always directed his life. Remember one day, God said to Jesus, you need to go to Samaria. And he went to Samaria. Well, he's been directed by God. And God wants to direct us to an open door because Jesus is going to minister to this one person. This one person. I want to show you how that works. And I don't want you to mistake me about the issue. It's not my issue. But Jesus stopped for the one person. On Thursday, I was at Wusthof here in Melbourne. I hadn't been to that place. Well, I've never been there really as a patient, obviously, but I hadn't been there for three years ministering to people, whatever. Other people go now and do the, the thing. So I walked in, and before I left and had my test that I had to have, I met six different people in the hospital in an hour and a half. And I walked in, the receptionist, she looked up and went, Pastor Mark, what are you doing here? So I began talking with her. She'd only been there recently, new. And while I'm talking to her and just move away, a guy from around the corner who's working at the hospital, Pastor Mark, what time's that radio station that you're on every day? I can't figure it out. I had to tell him it was at 12 noon at 91.5. Today's teaching was a good reminder for us we need to be persistent in prayer and courageous enough to ask for what we really want. Pastor Mark also reminded us that without faith, nothing is going to happen in regards to our prayer. We need to believe Jesus, trust Him to do what He said He would do. He told us to ask, seek, and knock, and He'd answer. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. 
We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. In the next message, we'll hear more about the story of Bartimaeus and his interaction with Jesus. Pastor Mark will teach about the need to be fearless when we pray, but also with humility. We sometimes forget that we can't get through the day without God's help. That's reflected in our prayer life or lack thereof. Put aside the pride. Let God work. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through this series, Everyday Life of Jesus. That's next time on Lessons for Living. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.